He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellotified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the always delicious, always optimistic, Alexia Cristina Postalidis. Opa, Alex. Opa, Cali, where are we going? Calispera. Calispera, whatever that means. Happy holidays. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, oh, good afternoon. There you go. It's all Greek to me, as I've said before. <laughs> <It is right. laughs> well, it's yeah. a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a neighborly day for a beauty. And uh, you're mine today. How are you feeling? I am. I'm always, I'm always yours. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better now. I, you know, I had a little some difficulties. I got one thing fixed this morning. So, you know, that's a little blessing. And I'm sitting in front of my tree with my custom tree topper and it's the holidays. So I'm in my happy place. So you're already decorated. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. I've been decorated. I just, I had to, I wasn't completely pleased with my tree topper. So I, I, redid it a little bit just tweaked it a little bit last night but the only thing that isn't done and which I am now a week behind on is getting finishing the little outside balcony because we got some beautiful fresh greenery wreath so that came yesterday so we have to finish um so actually I'm I'm a week behind because usually I'm done um Thanksgiving weekend Ah, well, you know, it's interesting because we were in Palm Springs this weekend on a gig and mm -hmm. the hotel was just beginning to set up and it just felt like everything was Ow. late. And, you know, there were there were no decorations when we got there on Saturday and on Sunday as we were leaving, they were just starting to bring them in. It just feels a little late, right? Shouldn't it shouldn't shouldn't we already be decorated and ready to go? Come on. Well, Come you on. know, it's a little refreshing because they start decorating for Christmas sometimes in September. I mean, before Halloween, I was seeing things out. And I, I don't like that. I'm a, let's do it right around Thanksgiving. So actually, I'm going to throw some kudos out to where you were staying that they waited till we celebrated Thanksgiving. Okay, then. We sit on opposite <laughs> sides of that one. It's... <laughs> Sorry. Just get them out, darn it. Just get those. I want to see Christmas. I want to see the I holidays. Have, well, I will tell you, though, my rule is I don't start watching anything Christmassy until Thanksgiving weekend. But I started about three weeks ago. I just after last Christmas, which was a bit of a fiasco, I, I needed it this year. So. Understood. I've and then Mariah Carey was out, you know, making sure that you understood that it, the Christmas season started <laughs> and you needed to get on on the ball and start listening to all I want for Christmas is you. All I have to tell you, though, two words. Anna Waddingham. And you must if you have not watched her Christmas special. I don't even know who she is. 
Yes, you do. Rebecca from Ted Lasso. Oh, oh, yes. Oh. West End actress. Oh, I, I got to tell you, she's she's one of my newest and greatest idols. I really. Just, and oh. where did you catch it? And what what is the um, name of it? It's the Hannah Waddingham Christmas special, I believe. I would look it up for you, but as I have no internet, so I can't see that. Um, uh, yeah, but just look up Hannah Waddingham Christmas special. I'm trying to remember if it was Disney. No, it's on Apple. It's on Apple. Of course it is. Of course yeah, it is. Of course it is. Because and you it's know, adorable. It's only the only thing is it's too short. How long is it? About, I want to say I think it's about forty-five minutes. Hmm, maybe, maybe it is too short. Maybe it needs to be a full hour. I wanted more. Oh, I wanted more. Well, yeah. well, you have to listen to Matt Rogers. D'Angelo introduced uh, Trish and I to the Matt Rogers Have You Heard of Christmas album. And today on on the Today Show, uh, Hoda and Jenna uh, had him on with Bo and Yang. And they did one of the songs, uh, Rockefeller Senna, on, on the show today. And it's just a very funny uh, take on Christmas. They're all original tunes, but they're in a sense parodies of Christmas very funny uh, and also great to listen to uh, ear catching melodies uh, so if you haven't heard that album Matt Rogers featuring Bo and Yang uh, on the album Have You Heard of Christmas go out and listen to it it's it's funny as can be I love funny will it be that Donde where was it uh, Santa Claus N- n- no uh Donde esta Santa Claus? Yes, yes. No, but there's a tune called The Hottest Who in Whoville. Oh. <laughs> okay. To I'll give you some idea. Of... Okay, I'll have to listen to that. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's very funny. Very, very funny. Okay. So, I need funny. I like funny. Funny's good. Funny's good. Funny helps. Uh, funny is not what my tip is about today, though. I will say that. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Actually, my tip is about joining and using your local BBB or Better Business Bureau. Let's get tipsy! Today, I'd like to share a practical business tip that I hope can help you expand your service offerings and outreach. It's not an app or a new technology suite. In fact, it isn't new at all. But in the 123 years Better Business Bureau has been in force, so has its mission to advance trust in the marketplace. To that end, BBB remains the most recognized and established entity for setting and promoting ethical business standards and serving as a place for consumers to turn to when marketplace discrepancies arise. Now, as a small business owner myself in this not so well reputed event entertainment industry, uh, we became a BBB accredited business of what is now the Pacific Southwest chapter 
in 2004 for no other reason than a signal to, to potential clients that we were and continue to operate in good faith and in such have and had their best interest at heart. But today, BBB is so much more, as I was recently reminded by current BBB Pacific Southwest Board President Nicole Donnelly. In addition to being listed on BBB.org, businesses can get tips on such wide-ranging challenges as writing a business plan, scaling their operations, creating a more sustainable and scalable sales strategy, and obtaining funding, just to name a few. Here in the Pacific Southwest, BBB has six campuses across SoCal and Arizona that businesses, entrepreneurs, and the community are invited to use for meetings, co-working, even podcasting, as well as a speaker's bureau, networking events, and a well-established annual Torch Award for Ethics program that celebrates ethical businesses and serves as an opportunity for any submitting business to gain local recognition as a business operating with integrity. So my tipsy for today is to check into BBB, see if there's a local campus in your region. And if you own a small business, consider becoming an accredited business or just stop by to learn how to utilize resources available to all businesses. And if you don't own a business and have no intention of starting one, then take time to peruse through BBB's company directory to check out synergies for any services you contract. From party rentals to office administration support, you're likely to find at least some of the things you need, and you'll have the confidence of knowing you're dealing with companies that have your best interests at heart with an organization behind them to ensure they do. So my tipsy of the day is go to bbb.org and look for your local campus. They won't do you wrong. Now, Alex, you know we've had a long time association yes. with BBB and yes. I've been producing their their uh, Torch Awards for Ethics for many, many years, which mm -hmm. is, is how we became involved. Uh, I still see it as a place to grow your business, even more so than it mm -hmm. used to be, and to make connections and to find people that you feel comfortable doing business with because you know they're going to have your best interest at heart. That's right. I, I mean, I am a pers personally, I'm a very big fan of BBB because um, I had to go against a big company and BBB stepped in and helped me. And it took a year, but I won. And it was because BBB, they were relentless in helping me. Mm. So that's, I that's am, great to hear. I'm a huge, yeah, no, I'm a huge fan. And it was something so simple. And it could have been handled had they just this company just stepped up and done the right thing in the first place. But BBB, they were on it and we were in constant communication and, you know, they did. And I didn't ask for anything more than I had originally asked for, mm. but we got it. And it was simple. It was so simple, you, but God bless them. They were amazing. You know, and I, I think, you know, in our industry, there are so many options for us to join trade uh, associations, organizations, mm -hmm. 
uh, but none do what BBB does. And, you know, we could even consider it a vertical, if you will, a place to go and find clients. Uh, and, you know, obviously that's a no brainer. It is a great place to go and find clients, but it's also a great place to go and find resources. Knowing again, I, I'm going to repeat myself again, knowing that you're going to be taken well care of. Uh, you're not going to be swindled. You're not going to worry about, uh, you know, right. losing your money or uh, having a, a half-assed job done. Uh, it's just, it's an incredible organization and I, I highly recommend it. I, I, and I'm doing so because those of us in the event industry tend to look past them and not consider them when we're looking at trade organizations to become members of. And that is a big mistake. Lots of value there. Well, absolutely. And we're stronger as a, as a community, right? And I mean, Aristotle said, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So even way back then, right? We know that when you're, when you're, when you're ensconced in a, in a group, you are stronger than a single individual. And Yaya would say, Tosinolo Horisameri, then ine sipota. Which means? So she kind of improved on Aristotle's words of the whole is nothing without, I'm sorry, let me say this again, the whole without the parts is nothing. So you need, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, but you need the individual parts to make the whole greater. Mm-hmm. And that's what BBB is to me. You've got all these individual businesses and they come together in this amazing organization and help each other out. And so you've got these really great individuals coming together as a community, as a group, and it's even greater. Mm. And the support that you get is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's switch gears now and uh, meet our guest of the hour. Okay. Well, today's TV is about as long as I am tall. It was mighty impressive reading that. He's a member of the Actors' Equity Association, which is the union of professional stage managers as well as actors. He is a published author writing the book, The Production Manager's Toolkit, Successful Production Management in Theater and Performing Arts, as well as contributing to countless publications. He is a production manager and has worked with top name celebrities and corporate clients. His philanthropic work is lengthy and quite impressive. As a teacher slash mentor, he received the 2022 USITT Wally Russell Award for Outstanding Mentorship and is a two-time recipient of the most influential faculty member. Please welcome production manager, owner of Q1 Productions and production managers for the School of Theater, Television, and Film at San Diego State University, Mr. Jay Sheehan. Wow, thank you so much. That was, can I, did you write that? I, I, that condensed version is, uh, was mm-hmm. you know, okay. much, much better than the full length one. <laughs> it's, you well, know, we can we, talk. I'm, I'm, I'm available for hire. I, I appreciate that. You know, the one page resume is out the door with that thing. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Who needs all those other words? You just need these. Exactly. <laughs> and somebody to, to refer to you. That's really what you need. You know? So have somebody talk well about your work and, and do good work. And do good work. 
and yeah. do good work. That's good that work. is the key. Uh, so uh, you know, we we have this tradition here on on Bolotified, and that is to start with our ten quick questions. Ten quick questions. Ten quick questions. Yay! I know you're you're probably um, sweating I've there a little bit. I've listened to the other ones, and you know, it's it's. I can't wait. I've been on okay, pins and needles. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> because you know the whole point is to have a little fun and get to know Absolutely, you a absolutely. All right, so here's how we play 10 quick questions. You're the first thing that comes to mind when I ask 2 minutes on the clock Alex, Alex keeps the time. And here we go, Mr. J. She and do you believe in miracles? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Number 2. Have you fingered your Taylor AD27 lately? Right. Just well, just a second ago, yeah, yeah. But uh, this was the three uh, seventeen E. My brother is borrowing my eighty twenty seven. So, oh, how dare he! I, I, I hope know. it comes back in good good standing. It, it will, because I'm buying him one for his birthday. So, oh, nice! You're a good Aww. brother. Yeah, he doesn't know it yet. How did okay, you know you're... I had an eighty twenty seven? I know everything oh. about you. Wow. You just don't know how how deep our tentacles go. Man, I do believe in miracles now. Mm -hmm. There you sure. go. Uh, All right, you're standing in front of a panda. Stalkers. We're stalkers. You're standing in front of a panda restaurant. What are you hungry for? Uh, uh chow mein and uh, chicken and mushrooms. Okay. Uh, sheer clothing is on trend this year. What article of sheer clothing might show off your assets best? Oh my goodness. Um, uh, a veil. <laughs> what is your all-time favorite play or musical ever? Ever? Um, uh, West Side Story. Huh? Have you ever lost your cookies in public? I w define public. Um, uh, in front of other people. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. My concert that you don't know. No, I do. I, you know, I've um, down at the Chula Vista Amphitheater. I guess there was the public there. They came in, the people in the venue. So, okay, that, I, that I counts. I don't know how many saw me, but you know. Okay, uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, name a celebrity you've met and wished you hadn't. Oh goodness sakes, Gwen Stefani's manager. Okay, who's, who's not her, but her manager. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the other one would be maybe Lyle Lovett. Okay, I'm sorry mm. to hear that. I've heard yeah. rumors about that, not about your meeting, but oh, about and Dwight Yoakam, and Dwight Yoakam. Sorry. Oh, really? Du Country artists? Like, it, well, you, you, the rep is that you know they're going to be really easy to work with, and yeah, some of them are. The younger ones are, but uh, I was carrying Lyle Lovett's guitar behind him to uh, to uh, uh, the stage, and he thought I was too close to him. So he turned around and asked me to back off a couple of steps. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What an odd little man that was. Oh, and, that uh, is an odd yeah, little was man. Just, you know, I don't mean like I don't want to work with him again, but it was just a, a, an interesting moment. And the Dwight Yoakam thing I probably shouldn't say on the air. We can have that as a private conversation. Okay. Because that was when I almost lost my cookies. Yeah, I can, was, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Uh, I've had something similar yeah. happen with uh an artist b telling me i'm too close to the stage i'm thinking to myself <laughs> well you wouldn't be on the stage if it wasn't for me but okay i'll back off thank you right right yeah. 
Uh, wow. Pink is, well, now Pink I'm is, curious. That's the story I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, pink is Barbie's favorite color, and it's one of Babs' favorite, too. What is your favorite color? Blue. Blue, because it Blue. goes with your eyes? Uh, it, it's the color of a beautiful sky. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, poor Alex. She's the one tool in your toolkit you wish you didn't have to use, but do. What is that um, tool? A scale rule. A scale rule. Yeah, you know, to, to dimension ground plans, you know. Uh, okay. You know, okay. Still have to do that sometimes. Still yes. Okay. And lastly, have you ever been inspired by a cantor during an Easter Mass? Oh, my God. <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> yes, actually, I have. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's a good it's answer, just, mister. That, that's because that's why we know each other. That's, that's exactly we how we met. That's right. Uh, you were singing in the choir at in, in Old Town. And uh, you had this um, angelic voice. Literally, I'm, I'm not. I'm not lying here, folks. He um, really just captured my attention and made me weep. Um, I was there. My, some of my uh, recent friends had had passed away um, during the AIDS crisis. It would have been around not, in the early '90s, I think. Right, Anthony? Like '94. Early to mid '90s. Yeah, '94. Yeah. Like and I had, uh, you know, was trying to unbury myself you know going into the church and and he just uh i'd never gone up to somebody after a service and said you know you were amazing i mean and then we've known each other ever since you know but um that's, a, didn't that's know, a true story and didn't know at the time that we were pretty much in the same industry no well, we didn't know no. that yeah, there was and no i wasn't clue. i was a stage manager at the old globe theater at that point so i had oh, that's when you were into, stage you know, managing at the globe yeah, and yeah. then you you then you be started to teach at SDSU. Not not quite the um, no not quite. I went from the Old Globe Theater. Um, they brought in a show from New York, uh, Damn Yankees with Jerry Lewis. Oh yes, and, yes, and, I uh, saw it. BB Newworth, BB Newworth. So they brought in a yeah they brought in a New York stage manager because they were going to go back to New York and they don't have to pay for housing. So. Um, I was there for six years and I was the um, the, the low man there. So I got um, told, go away for a season uh, um, and you'll come back in the, in the fall. But I needed something to do. So I was um, contacted by the San Diego Symphony and uh, they had heard that I was um, available and they asked me to come down and interview. And I knew nothing about classical music at all. Didn't listen to it, didn't know anything about it. And a gentleman named Drew Cady um, interviewed me and said, don't worry, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. And I went, I started the following week. And first thing he says to me, he hands me his keys and he says, I just quit. I got into it with the G, with the uh, CEO. Good luck. Um, all you have to do to get their attention is clap your hands twice and they'll go to their seats. And uh, the rest, you know how to do. <laughs> and I was like, okie dokie, there you go. So I'm sorry, I, yeah. we're connected then. Yeah. See, it's a very it's a very small world. Yeah, my my former mother in law, who I'm still very close with, uh, was the principal harpist then of the San Diego uh, Symphony. Back in the nineties. Yeah, she from nineteen sixty eight until uh, two thousand and seven. Oh, well, is, is that Sheila? Sheila? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Oh, what a small yeah. world. Oh my gosh. It is. Um, right. Yeah. And her husband oh, Alan was the bassist. Sure. The yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wow. What an instrument to, to load in every day, the harp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and the bass. Yeah. Like, you know, why 
the flute is the easiest. You're like, why doesn't, you know, I don't understand. <laughs> well, you know, you don't think about that when you're a kid. No, you don't. You, you the know. tuba, you know, you think about the tuba, and, you know. Right. You got to use right. the elevator for those, but. Right, right. Or being a drummer. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right. And does, is she retired now, Alex? She is. She, she retired from in 2007 and then about, she continued to teach for a while, but now she's fully retired, as is Alan. They're oh, both good. completely retired, which is a bummer because I used to go uh, get to see Michael Feinstein whenever he came to the pop. Yeah. They had tickets for me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have that connection anymore. So, Oh, we still can get you in there. Don't you worry. You just got to ask. We can okay. find a way. We know people all okay. over the place. Um, so was, but, was Jack yeah. O'Brien at the at the Globe when you? Yeah, I, I assisted stage my, my first equity card. My first equity show was an assistant stage manager for Jack's production of Driving Miss Daisy with Seda Thompson. And for those of you oh. in don't know who Seda Thompson is, I'm sure, but many many of you do. Um, yeah, that was my first uh, my first attempt at uh, with Douglas Piotti, who was the most amazing production stage manager who gave me my equity card because he remembered me because he came and talked to my class when I was at San Diego State in the stage management class. And I stalked him. I followed him to his car. And I said, how do I come work for you someday? And he laughed at me and said, oh, you know, just keep practicing, you know. And uh, years later, I, his his partner, Will Roberson, was directing mm-hmm. a show called I Suds, the rock, yeah, the rock and 60s yeah. musical soap opera with Stevie Gunderson. They were rehearsing it in San Diego. I said, can I help? And they said they had a stage manager. I said, let me make coffee for you. I just have to be in the room. And they did. And um, then they gave me an opportunity to go to New York as a follow spot operator. And I took it and I made $250 a week, a thousand bucks a month. And my rent was 900. And I said, I don't care. Let's do this thing. And while I was in New York, I got on truckloading gigs did one at the promenade. Guess what? The Old Globe Theater doing a show, transferring it into, it was the cocktail hour, transferring it into the promenade. I walk in to unload the truck and there's Douglas because he's stage managing. And he goes, you were the dude that followed me to my car. And my partner, Will, says that you're doing a really good job as a follow spot operator. When you get back to San Diego, come and interview with me. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Um, but I failed. I actually failed my first interview. Um, I thought that for sure Douglas was going to, you know, when you're going to be interviewed as a stage manager, prompt book, paperwork, uh, you know, what else are they going to see? And uh, he asked me, um, I wasn't ready for this. He said, tell me why, tell me about the work that we do here at the Old Globe and why do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, can we cuss here? Sorry. Beep. Um, I said, uh, I know you do Shakespeare. And that was all I could get out. That's all I could get out, honest to God. And he said, okay, um, let's, um, let's terminate the interview for now. And maybe we'll try it again in a week or so. And go think about the question that I just asked you. And I was like, oh, man, I, I went and, I, you know, we had encyclopedias back then. And, you know, we didn't have the internet. And I studied and. the and I, you know, the World Expo and when the park was built and, you know, mm-hmm. Craig Knoll and the whole thing. And so I went back, went back a week later. He asked me the exact same question. I spit it all out and he goes, OK, now let me see your paperwork. And uh, and then I got my equity card. So, well, God good rest, for you. That, you know, God rest his soul. God rest yeah. his soul. Was, yeah. was, what a gentleman. Yeah. What a, what yeah. a man. What a yeah. Man. 
Well, the fact that he had you back, you know, come back. He gave you that. He gave you that that uh, gift. Oh man! Yeah, you took it. And that such a generous. Absolutely, and that fail turned. You know, when I I thought the fail was it, like that was I was done, right? And uh, you know, it ends up that the failure can turn into success. You know, and that has happened to me over my career, right? So you know, a lot of big fails have later turned into. A success, you just don't see it at the time. Um, you just gotta like just dig in and persevere and and um, take your lumps and own your mistakes and and um, hope that something good is gonna come out of it. Some kind of learning opportunity comes out of the fail. And That's I know you, you've been there. You know you've been there. Absolutely. Yeah. There's always something to learn. It doesn't always feel that way at the time, but if you if you think about it the right way and you ask yourself what you could have done better, what you could have done to change the outcome and not place blame elsewhere where it doesn't belong, then you come out of it much better. Uh, you're so, so true. And that's the reason why I got hired back at Viejas Entertainment nine years after I was let go, because I so didn't, I didn't burn uh, a bridge, didn't burn a bridge. Uh, so you worked for them and then you were let go. Uh, yeah, I was... Then- yeah, I was at the Coors Amphitheater at the time, um, and a gentleman started uh, the entertainment division, and he called me and he said, hey, I want to do, we have we have a park here in the outlet center, I want to do concerts here, come out and let's look at how we can put a stage in. And I went out and we did it, and I did nine years as the production manager, every artist you can think of, um, and then all hell broke loose. Um, and with, with that gentleman and the, uh, and, and the uh, tribe. Because he opened, uh, AEG approached him and said, hey, I want to open, they want to open a San Diego office. So off he went and he opened the San Diego office and took half the staff with him. And um, so I was, I was left. I was the one, you know, there was five shows left. The intern at the time became the new vice president of entertainment. And I was always nice to the intern. See how that happens? Oh, man. The intern becomes the new VP. You got to. Always be nice to people, man. Right. You never know. That's you never right. Know. That's you right. Never know. So he he um says, "Hey, uh, would you mind teaching the new production manager, who's you know tribal member, and because next year you're going to be gone." So and he's very upfront about it. And I go, "Sure, man, I'm happy to do that." Now I I could have gone the other direction, and and I Wait, said, you know, said, said no, no way. But, right. Yeah. So I I started teaching. We did one show. The next show, there's four shows left. In comes uh, the new VP. He's got an envelope in one hand and a, and a cake box in the other. And I go, hey, what's up? He goes, and he hands me the envelope. And he goes, this is the pay for the remaining four shows, paid in full. But you've got to, this is your last show. You can't come back. The tribe decided that we just need to separate and, and, you know, we all need to go our separate way. And I go, okay, cool. And he goes, but, and he sets the cake box down on the table. And he goes, we brought you a cake. And it said on it, good luck, Jay. And I said, so you're firing me and you're giving me a cake. Well, that's, you know, that's a, a good thing, right? And and he said, uh, you know, and he was a, a veteran of, of the Gulf, Persian Gulf War. He said, Jay, sometimes the innocent get killed in war and it's collateral damage is what it's called. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what you are. You're just collateral damage. So off you go. And I drove home and I was like, oh. And I remember Douglas, my mentor, telling me, don't burn bridges rise above it don't burn bridges no matter what don't speak poorly of people so i didn't i didn't i didn't nine years go by 
nine years. I'm sitting in my backyard. My phone rings. It's the VP's caller ID. And I'm like, what are you? Okay, I answer the phone. Hey, I'm building a new venue and I need your help. And I go, but what about, you know, all it, water under the bridge? Come out and come out and have lunch with me. So I go out. It's just dirt everywhere, you know. And I sit, the stage is going there. The hotel towers are going here. The green room, the the, the generator, the backup generator. You know, he knew he had everything mapped out. And I go, oh, and he goes, I was listening to you. You know, back back when he was an intern, because I used to talk to him about stuff. And it it was like such a touching, like oh my gosh, you know, moment of um, for me to you know. You know, the kid was listening and he's he got something out of it. And that's all we can hope for in life sometimes. And I just finished my eighth. eighth. So anyway, two years. I said, when's it going to be done? He said, two years. I said, call me in two years. You know, what do you need? He says, I don't have a seating chart. I don't have an evacuation plan. I don't have a, a security company. I, I have nothing. Uh, and I go, okay, fine. So call me in two years. He calls me a year and eight months later. He says it's done, and I almost forgot about it. And he goes, "I I need it. I have a show that's on sale." And I said, "How did you put it on sale?" He goes, "I just kind of guessed, and it was Martina McBride, and this was May, and the show was July 3rd. And I said, "We got work to do." So I w- rolled up my sleeves, and we got got to work. And um, eight years later, we just finished our our eight years our eight years together. And since then. Wow. Um, have expanded into a labor company, not labor company, but um, he, you know, said hire stagehands for me, um, which we took on. And then uh, in the middle of last year, the cleaning company gentleman who also set up the 2000 shares, uh, he had a heart attack, unfortunately, and passed away. And the, um, and uh, Big T says, open a cleaning company for me. I don't, you know, and I said, well, it's not really what I, he said, just do it. And I did. And now I have a little tiny uh, event cleaning uh, portion of, of the business. So it's, it's become kind of an entrepreneurial kind of weird uh, turn that you just never know where your career is going to go when the phone rings. It's very interesting. It's very, um, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. Well, which you is have so exciting. To, you know, you have to be willing to have an open mind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. And to sort yeah. of go w- go where where the work leads you, if yeah. you're if you're up to it, if you're up to it, yeah. It, it, yeah. And you see how it maybe could help somebody else, right? Like I I saw that it, you know it was going to be helpful to, to the Viejas team, so I called my uh, person that ran the janitorial uh, company when I was at the Coors Amphitheater twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. I still had her number in my phone. I called her. I said, hey, what are you doing these days? She's up at UCSD School of Medicine working the graveyard shift. And I said, you want to come put together a team for me? The next day she had five people ready and we had a, a, a team in place for the next show. Um, but yeah, you have to be curious. I think you have to, you know, you have to be curious and uh, be willing to take a risk, I think, in this business. Um, you know, I, I've taken a lot of risks and um, some of them have stuck and some of them haven't, you know, but um, you got to kind of weigh the risk fact, you know, as far as um, calculated risks, right? Like how much you're willing to do. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I tell my students a lot to don't be afraid to take a risk, especially if you have nothing to lose, right? Just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Leap in the net will appear as my friend Jason Mraz wrote in, his song, Make It Mine. So Yes. 
So you once did a show with an Olympic gold medal winning horse. Oh my that god. Wasn't exactly medal worthy. What happened? <laughs> oh no. You can't make me tell that story here. I have I, to. Do you have a do you have the bleeper? Do you have like the, the sensor thing? Yeah, go for it. We'll, really? We'll Is this can we can we just go for it? D'Angelo, can we hear the story? I'm not gonna say bad words, but the whole story leads up to this kind of moment that um, I, I can. Yeah, okay. We can, we so can always cut it out. Okay, fantastic. So yes, one of my clients um, train. Oh man, what if she hears this? Um, because I don't think she knew it happened. But tra is training. Uh, she trains Olympic uh, dressage horses, right? The jumping, mm -hmm. prancing horses and had a olympic sized arena built in her yard and um you know every 10 feet was a speaker in the ceiling so the horse hears the exact same um decibel yeah. limit yeah no the de the decibel limit of, of the music um so we she wanted to have a, a an event 400 people we brought in the decking the lighting we brought in all the production screens um i had the san diego symphony uh, string quartet play live um, because another trainer thought they were a composer and they were like, hey, I want to compose a song that the horse is going to dance to. And I heard her play the piano and I thought, oh, okay, um, maybe we should get the symphony to. Um... So the symphony recorded it and then they, we rehearsed with it and then they came in and we, we played it live. So I had a, a, a quartet live i had a horse you know it was after dinner now we're going to do the demonstration of the dressage horse the gold medal winner and they bring her and the gold medal medal winning um trainer yeah not jockey trainer and so he comes out and he makes the horse do a couple of, of you know things and then the horse decides it's gonna it's got to go to the bathroom it's so it decides it's gonna take a leak right so this male horse, I had to kick my video guy's legs under the table because the, they were like, started giggling because, you know, the gigantic penis came out of the horse. And um, this male horse was definitely a male horse. And, uh, you know, we're all like mortified. And I know everybody's seeing this thing. And, but except for the trainer, the trainer doesn't, doesn't see it. So he then decides to make the horse spin around in circles. And suddenly we've got the, you know, <laughs> uh, the, we've got a helicopter ride going um, with a, you know, gold winning metal horse and um, a mortified audience. Um, and nobody was going to say, you know, like nobody's going to say anything, right? It's like the emperor's, you know, not wearing any clothes. And we were like, oh my God, is somebody going to, is somebody going to stop this? Like, what do we do? What do we do? And, um, you know, it just, it played itself out um, and it was never <laughs> to be spoken of again, except today and in my oh classroom my every now and then. Yeah, it was, um, it was one of those moments in showbiz that you're like, I, I can't believe this is happening and there's nothing I can do about it, right? There's things you can control and things you can't and knowing the difference is really important, um, but not laughing about it um, is also important, but now I can laugh about it, you know? Yeah, years, years later. Years later, um, yeah. I, I hate to. I, I, I hate, applaud you. I, I hate to uh, make you state this, but I, yeah. I mean, I am a little bit curious. Yeah. Were people being sprayed? 
as the Hulk. No, he was far enough away. He was far enough okay. away. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank God. No golden showers. No, no. From the was... gold wedding. No, no. no. Okay. He had actually finished that because, you know, they just stand there and then they do it. Right. And and the trainer's like, oh, natural, right? He's just naturally going to do it. But the, the thing didn't go back into its tunnel. So oh. uh, when, you know, that was the, that was the, flying around. Yeah. That was what we were all like. Oh my God, man. Lucky horse. All right. Yeah. Okay. On to other funny so stories. You also escorted Governor Schwarzenegger to the stage as oh F- F-16s were ready to buzz overhead in his yeah. entrance when he decided that you, Jay, shouldn't marry your ideas and did what? Oh, man. Okay. So I, this was a little bit funny too, but you know, you can laugh after the fact. Um, it was the 60th anniversary of World War II veterans at Embarcadero Marine Park South at the Summer Pop site. Um, the symphony uh, production manager said they didn't want to do it, so they said hire me. So I was the liaison between the Army stage manager and the venue person, right? And um, the governor was you know, going to be on the platform with the other dignitaries and the mayor and the, the, the priest that was going to do the invocation and other important folks to honor these 60th anniversary um, folks that were sitting in wheelchairs out in the audience. So uh, the governor's late, um, you know, traffic, we don't know. We get the driver, we have him drive down the sidewalk. I escort the governor out of the car. The the, um, army stage manager, who's very precise, saw me coming as we got to the, uh, almost to the edge of the stage. Um, I heard her say, go on the jets. And uh, those weren't, you know, CO2 jets. They were <laughs> the overheads. And when she called go, uh, they were, you know, circling up ahead. I'm bringing the governor to the stage. He says, I got to take a leak. And he saw the portage on uh, off to the left and he uh, made it. He made a high high tail to get, go take a leak. Uh, and I'm like, oh, no. And I just was like, this is not going to go well because the jets were coming. Um, they thought that the governor was coming on, so they started the invocation. Um, it, it, you know, send the priest. It, you know, all all sort of hell was breaking loose. The governor comes out. He he uh, pulls up his pants and tightens his belt. And as he walks onto the stage, the F-16s come screaming over while the priest is doing the prayer, and everybody's head was bowed, so nobody saw them coming. And uh, I think it rattled enough dentures out in the audience. Uh, because they were very, very close to the venue when they, and they did sonic booms, you know, they really were hightailing it. And I was one of those things again, where you're like, nah, not my problem. You know, Right. the right. army stage manager should have waited wow. just another second. She should know? have waited. Yeah. Make sure he's on going on the stage. But that was my, my story about the governor and, and the bathroom. Yeah. And what I, about I warned him, I said, you know, I said, governor, I don't think that's a good idea. And he looked at me like, you know, really? No, yeah. I got to go take a leak. And that was, or how do you say it? I got to go take a leak. Something like that. <laughs> and I'm going. That was a and little Dracula, but. <laughs> and, and there's one more story I want to drag out of you. Oh, and that, yeah. that's a Mick Jagger jumping Jack Flash. Oh, God. You call, you call one of the biggest disasters, it failures was... in career that ended up being okay two months yeah. later. What What's that? Yeah, yeah. Um, early in my rock and roll career, um, I was, gosh, in my late twenties, I guess. 
and a gentleman named Bill Silva, who is a very famous concert promoter here. Yeah, Bill yes. Silva presents. Um, he had uh, met me through the symphony because I I started renting out Symphony Hall uh, while I was became the production manager there, and uh, so he and I met and I started learning about you know booking shows and that's where I kind of started learning about the music business a little bit. And he said to his production manager, "Call Jay. We need help setting up the chairs right on, on the on the stadium." So we I said yes, absolutely. I, I helped set up five thousand chairs. Went backstage. Um, the most notorious production manager in rock and roll, gentleman by the name of Jake B. I'll just say Jake B. Um, uh, he came up to me, and you know who he is, right? He's one of those guys you just know who he is. And he said, "You're gonna do the house like you tonight." And I said, "Oh, piece of cake, man." He goes, "Don't f it up, or you'll never work in this town again. I swear, I'll make sure you, it, it doesn't happen." And I'm like. Yeah, no problem, man. It's a house like you. How hard can it be, what's, right? What, what's to mess up? What's to mess up, man? And all the things I should have done, I didn't do, but now I would, of course, uh, is like, where's the house like you, right? Where, where's the switch? Um, how, how long is it going to take me to get there? Um, who's going to be on radio? Is there going to be Clearcom? All that stuff, you know, that you, you would do now as, as you're part of your advance. I didn't do any of it. So we're getting near the end of the show, and Jake says, get in the car, the truck with the electrician. And I said, uh, he goes, take the radio. And I said, okay, where are we going? He goes, we got to go under the stadium in the, in the tunnel, you know, where the, where the electrical switches are. And uh, radios don't work very well uh, through concrete, I, I discovered. And um, I thought that he, through the static, I, I thought he said, go um and i i tried to get back to him and say was that a was that a go to confirm and what he said next he he said no but i thought i heard go and i turned on the house line and mick was still singing jumping jack flash he was not done with the song yet and he said who turned the house lights on and um you know that was that was me uh so then we um through the uh the the engineers radios we heard turn them off turn them off turn them off um and so we, poof, we turned them off and back in the day those were metal halide lights and they need 15 minutes to cool down so that was the last song they were supposed to come on at the end of that song and they didn't and now seventy thousand people are walking out of the stadium in the dark so it was kind of a double whammy and as i was going back to the compound Two gentlemen, um, John Nelson and Matt Swanson. Matt is now Jason Mraz's uh, manager, and uh, John Nelson is, is running, um, uh, I think, AEG in Las Vegas. They were walking towards me, and they said, you should give us your radio, and you should just go home. Don't go back. You should not go back there. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Okay. So I took my radio. I gave him my radio, and I went home, and for the next you know, few months, I was literally depressed because I thought I had made the biggest mistake and Bill's going to hate me and that guy's going to make sure I don't ever work again. And it was awful. It was like literally depression, like literally depression. Um, and then lo and behold, a few months later, Bill called back and asked me if I would help him run his summer pop site out at Hospitality Point. And I said, uh what about you know what about that thing that happened he said man you know mistakes happen you know we're, we're beyond it just come and come and work for me 
and I was, uh, wow, you know, and what I learned from that is don't, don't let anybody else tell your story for you. You know, don't believe somebody else is, you know, because it turned into depression because I let somebody else tell my story, you know, um, and, and dictate what was going to happen to me. Um, and the little funny capper on that story is that about two years later, uh, Bill asked me to go cover a show at the joint at the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. It was a private party that the Rolling Stones were playing for 500 people. <laughs> and I go, is Jake going to be there? You know, and he goes, oh, yeah, he'll be there. And I go, you think he's going to remember me? He goes, who knows? You know, who knows? Just stay away from him. So that was it. And I stayed away from him until the end of the night when we were going to our rooms and we, we got in the same elevator together. And my, my, I was like, please don't remember me. And I just looked up at the numbers waiting for the you know to get to my floor and then off i went and he never saw me so it was all good wow boy that is tough that's a tough uh, thing to take home yeah. with you for sure yeah. feeling like you ruined everything when oh and again a fail that turns into you know a, an amazing uh win because learning how what i did with bill that summer as a front of house person an operations manager then gave me the experience to get called when the Coors Amphitheater was being built because they recommended me as the operations manager. Um, when I was doing Forever Plaid, I was, I was stage managing Forever Plaid and, and my phone rang and it was the uh, Universal Music people saying, uh, you're on the short list to be the operations manager and uh, would you come down and interview? And I, you know, I said, well, how short is the list? I'm kind of curious, you know, how many people? And he said, just come down and interview and I knew nothing about you know, operations, just like the symphony. I didn't know anything about classical music, but your instincts, you know, you, you, you apply what you know. And, you know, the guy asked me the true question, um, what do you know about cleaning an amphitheater? And I'm like, why is he asking me that? Obviously, I've never done it before. Like, and I, I said, um, um, I think I said something to the effect that I know the difference between dirty and clean. And if I have the right people, I can get the dirty clean. And that... I guess that was it. And I got hired. So that's, that's the right answer. So you just, <laughs> yeah. you just mentioned forever plaid. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds me that I worked with David Brandon this weekend. Uh, oh my goodness. One of my yes. favorite people. Yes. Excellent. He, he, he was going to be a part of that uh, airport um, little shenanigans thing that. Um, oh, he was. I, he, I was going to ask him if he would, you know, put together, you know, some song and dance, but I got the word yesterday that they went with somebody else. So uh, how dare they? yeah how fine. dare they well really i think it is to... i think it actually is fine for you jay we it is there are other that. things yeah yeah and uh, i always believe that if you, if something doesn't happen for you it's because something better is gonna you know come on the horizon and i've got a couple of things up my sleeve that you know the entrepreneurial spirit in me has um met some people by a miracle um and um now i'm getting into um app development uh, for filmmaking platform for a filmmaking platform which i never ever thought i'd see myself doing but i got a cold call from a t filmmaker in toronto he contacted me because he thought i was a filmmaking faculty member he thought i taught filmmaking because i said no i'm a theater management teacher and i go how'd you get my number he goes i don't know my boss came over and your name was on a post-it note and he said call this guy at san diego state because he knows people and he, he teaches filmmaking and I didn't. And they said, well, can we can we demo this thing for you? And I said, sure. And they said, you know, they were having trouble getting into schools, getting um, film schools to kind of look at their their platform. So 
I was intrigued by it. And I said, I'm a theater person, I, a production manager. There's nothing, I know nothing about filmmaking, so I don't think I can help you. And um, lo and behold, um, what has happened now is I'm looking at their apps and because I'm a production manager, I'm saying, you're missing this, you're missing this, your prop app needs this, blah, 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 blah. And so they know nothing about the organization part. They're filmmakers, right? Those guys are the creative filmmakers. So right. they don't necessarily see where you should have a pull down menu to, to decide how many lights you need, right? They don't, they don't really, they didn't think that far through. So um, it's been a really interesting new adventure that, um, you know, if you would have asked me three weeks ago, what am I going to be doing today? It wouldn't be developing a platform called Cinea Cloud. Oh, no, goodness. Yeah. That's well, that's, plug, right? yeah. that's about this industry, yes, uh, that uh, could be dry bones, and then suddenly you're flush with business or flush with opportunities. You don't really know what's coming down the road. You don't really know what's next, and you can't guess. And, you know, to to our point earlier, you, you approach with an open mind and a willingness to hear about things, right? And perhaps get involved if they interest you. Yeah. That's sort of the beauty and the and the and the difficulty of this. business. Yeah. Would you it's agree? A blessing and a curse. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, you know, you have been doing this long enough and you have clients that you do year after year and you know, and that's solid. And that's a, 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 a you know, your reputation in town is stellar. And that's a testament to your work too. And your company's work that nobody wants to change, you know, um, just because you do it right. And then sometimes it's hit and miss, you know, COVID knocked everybody out. And I, I had very few of my charitable nonprofit clients really kind of come back only a couple did and um it wasn't what it used to be you know and so um for one reason or another i don't do you know those organizations anymore and it was kind of one of those things where i was like you know i wonder if i should do this anymore it was a lot of work and you know i was doing it for the good of mankind and um you know, one year my bid was a little too much money and they went with the lower bid. And that's, you know, that's what happens sometimes, you know, and you can't control that. You can't control it, that, it happens so. and it happens. Um, you know, you lose jobs through no fault of your own yeah. many, many times. It's yeah. Yeah. Like not something you can control. And, you know, I've had clients for years and years and years and years that suddenly just say, OK, goodbye. Yeah without any warning, yeah, you know, without yeah. any, you know, you just, okay, then I guess that that's over. And you it's, never know. You never at, know. at first it's, yeah, it's hard to take at first, but you learn, you know, that it's, you can't really take those things yeah, personally. Yeah, you just have yeah. to move, move on. Yeah. And then when you have your friends in the business, you know, and your friends are doing similar things and then your friend might get the gig um, and you don't, but you still do business with them. Right. Um, you know, you've got to be able to separate that out too. And I think right. that's, um, you know, that's, that's difficult at times too. Um, but T tell us about the, the manager, the production manager's toolkit, the only textbook in the U S that, <laughs> that teaches yes. production management. Um, what does the second edition tell us that the first one didn't? It tells us that we've how much we've learned in, in five years. Um, production management is just mm -hmm. ever evolving. And, um, you know, there are things that I didn't think about um, at first, like, for instance, in the rock and roll chapter, 
I didn't even touch ground transportation, um, uh, tracking flights because you want to know if your act is going to come in late. If you know right. how is it going to affect sound check, right. um, sunrise, sunset apps, and, and things like that. I just I didn't didn't um, include it, and I don't know why. And the other thing is we have case studies at the end of every chapter, so we have all new case studies. Um, we interviewed over, I think it was about 75 production managers for, for the book, and we have their quotes in the book because everybody's going to do it a little bit differently. And um, Carrie and I really felt that um, we were not the we were not the experts, you know, that there are people who have been doing it a lot longer than we have. Um, we just complained the most, and we were at USITT. <laughs> you know, we, we were both teaching production management classes. She was at the University of Maryland, and um, we started teaching production management and we were using leadership books and you know there was no textbook and we were at USITT right. in Fort Worth and having drinks at the end of the night and complaining that there was no you know textbook and one of our colleagues said would you guys just shut the hell up and write the book yourself and we looked at each other and said sure let's let's do that let's do that we're going to write the book and we went to a panel the next day and we sat next to each other and we were, it was a, a panel on leadership and, you know, we we're both taking notes. And at the end of the session, I said, what were you taking notes on? Let's compare. And she said, I wasn't taking notes. I was writing a table of contents. And I said, oh, my God, so did I. And we shared our table of contents and it was very similar, which was a little bit wow. scary. So then we were like, OK, cool. How do we get a publishing deal? You know, it's like going to Hollywood and wanting to, you know, get 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 your agent and become a, a Hollywood star. It's, it was we didn't know. So I again you know this risk taker that i am i said let's go down to the expo floor and we'll go to the taylor and francis bookstore because they build a bookstore and they sell all the theater books and we'll just ask the person that works there how do you get a publishing deal with taylor and francis and she um said you're insane and i go yeah i know so let's go so we did we went down there i, I waited in line i got to the cashier i said we have an idea for a textbook um, and you guys need to publish it. I just let it out. And the cashier looked at me uh, a little bit, you know, like I was insane, which I am. And she said, uh, what's it about? And I go, production management. And uh, you don't have one, so neither you know, there isn't one, so you guys need to do it. And she's, you know, clearly said, give me your business card. So, you know, to blow me away and, and get out of line so people could buy stuff. So I did that. We walked away, laughed a little bit. Um, and two weeks later, we got an email and a phone call. And it was from the uh, new, uh, the new uh, acquired uh, New Works editor for Taylor and Francis. And she said, um, I didn't want to tell you this, but I was the one behind the cash register that day when you pitched your idea. And I didn't want to tell you who I was then because I didn't want to hold up the line. So you got lucky. And so we pitched the idea wow. to the person that made the decisions because we waited in line. And if, if we stopped to get a cup of coffee, if we did anything differently on the way to the expo floor, if we stopped to talk to somebody, it, she was there for 15 minutes. She was oh. given the she was there for 15 minutes to give the cashier a, 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 break. a coffee, a, a break. Yeah, for 15 minutes. So, you know, you asked me, do I believe in miracles? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. Because you know what? Uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, we gave a tip and it was a, a Streisand related tip because of her chutzpah and her belief, her belief in herself, which carry which which 
got her a career because if she didn't believe in herself, she would be nowhere today. She pushed herself. And you just exemplified that through this story, um, having the, the chutzpah, the guts to believe in what you have so much to to make an introduction, to ask for something, to say somebody needs something, you know, to put yourself out there the way that you did. It's a lesson for all of us. You know, it really is. And I teach it and I preach it for 23 years to my students. I say, listen, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. All they can say is no, right? There's nothing at risk for you. Um, so go for it. And I bring in guests, uh, uh, you know, via Zoom into my classes from Disney, from cruise ships, from you know, rock and roll, Sting's production manager, uh, Bon Jovi's accountant. And I bring them in and um, the head of CAA marketing. Um, and they say, you know, hey, here's my email address. Reach out, you know, and the, and some of them do. And some of them are petrified and are intimidated. Um, but the ones that do start to create those relationships and which this business is all about, man, you know, it, it's all about re these relationships. It's all about your proof of that. You are proof yeah. of that. Man, it's not who, you know, it's who you. knows you. Yeah. Yeah. It's who knows you. Yeah. It's who knows you. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, you know, it, it really doesn't. It's, who, you know, it's who knows you. That's the important part. Yes. Alex. Do you Sorry. have a trick or how do you, or can you teach someone how to overcome that fear um, of just going for it. I, I, I'm a mentor for life. I'm not a mentor for a semester, you know, and I encourage mm -hmm. uh, students. And when I make the introduction, I talk to my friend and I say, hey, let me know if this person contacts you. And they'll say, you know, maybe, no, they haven't yet. And I'll say, hey, um, you know, I, I hear you. Have, let's come on. Let's go do it together. You know, let's do it. Come on. Sit down with me craft the email. What do you, what do you want to say to them? And we do that. And, you know, it gives, it gets them over the hump. It gets them, um, oh, that wasn't so bad. Right. Like don't right. be so, because fear is paralyzing. Yes. Fear is, right. especially for, for young students. You know, I had a, a film student who took my event planning class and he, it took him three weeks to come up to me to say, I, I need help. You know, I, I'm looking for a composer. I can't get my film done. My parents want me to get a real job. All I want to do is make films. And, you know, a week later, he got a composer. I said, get this thing done. Get this film done. You know, it's a senior project. It's, you know, his parents are on the whole deal. And um, I sent him a link for a grant. And he goes, I'm not going to fill it out. I'll never get it. I said, fill the damn thing out, man. He got a $10,000 grant. Now he's got his momentum, his confidence is starting to build up. He's able to make decisions. He makes the film. He gets best screenplay, best film, best director award at the uh, San Diego Film Festival at SDSU in his mm. closing year. And um, that young man is, um, you know, I wrote him a letter. He got an internship up at the TV Academy and he started meeting people. And as he was meeting people, he wrote me the nicest letter about, um, you know, just what he learned and what he you know how much you know um how much I, ch I changed his life and and i don't say that from an egotistical standpoint i say that from um you know what greater thing you know is there really mm -hmm. um a greater there purpose than um, to be able to have you know and, and i have students from 20 years ago i used to make fun and say i got to be nice to my students i might work for them one day um yeah. one of my students from graduating in 2003 
I'm a consultant for her youth theater company that is in play, play script development. And we're putting a tour together of military, uh, a show called Brat about growing up in the military and not knowing who you mm -hmm. are. And we're going to be on, uh, we're getting it uh, to, to uh, show on uh, military bases in April, which is the month of the military child. So you never know who you're going to work for. Oh, you just, you never know, true. you never know. And it's that's also, why I stay in touch. Yeah. It's also a great compliment, I think, to you uh, when mm -hmm. a student uh, wants you to work with them years down the road, or yeah. when somebody who has worked for you has now their own company, you know, and they call you and say, I'd like you to work with me. That, yeah. that to it's, me is the, the, the best compliment of all. It makes me almost cry, literally. Yeah, I can um, imagine. You know, it's, um, and now what's happening that is killing me is that, um, you know, learning has changed in the last 20 years, you know, learning has evolved, teaching has not, and the students are now 78% of them have had some sort of mental health issue, depression, overwhelm, burnout, um, because we haven't changed as a four year university, we still force them to take these classes that they want nothing to do with, right? Like, I took zoology, you know, and I went through that as well. Um, so I, I see them, you know, all this energy they're putting into subjects that they don't care about yet their theater classes they're excelling in and their filmmaking classes and the things that interest them are they're excelling but we keep pushing them into these other areas that take up so much of their time because the professors don't want to evolve they don't want to stop saying read 75 pages of the textbook mm -hmm. students don't read textbooks anymore that's just the reality of it that's the reality of it but you're making them go out and pay four or five hundred dollars for textbooks that they don't read and right. I'm very honest with my students. I'm like, you guys don't read the textbooks, right? And they're, I'm like, tell me the truth because how I'm going to approach this semester has to do with this answer. And no, we don't read. Okay, so we're gonna, we're going to do slides. Like we're going to take that information. So I'm trying to evolve as a teacher to give them the tools to learn the shit, right? So I I used to have panic attacks about quizzes and midterms and finals when I was a student at SDSU in the areas that I didn't excel in. I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't memorize stuff. It was just bad. I had mental health issues. Nobody recognized it and I just suffered. And my grades were, were horrible. They were bad except for my theater classes. Um, so in my, in my class, I don't give written quizzes. I don't give a midterm. What I do is I say, okay, we're gonna talk about pre-production this week and we're gonna talk about the first rehearsal process. And on Monday, I'm gonna give you what would have been the quiz, right? I'm gonna give you these 10 questions and I want you to go home and think about them. And on Friday, we're gonna have a conversation about it. Okay, we're gonna have a conversation. And on Friday, they all show up and I say, hey, um, what's the most important document that you can make during pre-production? And because they've had some time to think about it and there's no pressure of getting a good grade because I say, listen, everybody shows up. We're going to have a discussion. You'll all get an A. All right. So let's take the pressure off of you. And you would, it, it's mind blowing how much they can absorb. And the student will say the most important document is the contact sheet because without the contact sheet, you can't do anything. And then I say, Hey, Sally, is that, is that the correct answer? Do you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, I think the actor breakdown sheet is really important because, and suddenly we're having this conversation and the retention because of the conversation is a million times better than trying to force them to read something and memorize something 
in a textbook. Um, Absolutely. So that's my kind of my philosophy. And unfortunately, um, not all of my colleagues agree with my teaching style. But um, last week I was I was called a um, and I'll take this. Uh, I was called a disruptive innovator. And um, I thought nothing wrong with that. There's nothing that's wrong a with compliment, that. man. Absolutely. That's so, a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. There's there, there's there's a, there's a difference between teaching because you have a job and teaching because you want a student to walk away with the knowledge yeah right on very different approaches and you have to care you have to care care. You, you know teachers when i was when i was a student there was no such thing as empathy there was it just wasn't a thing right and i have this ability you know a blessing and a curse again to be able to look into a student's eyes and see if they're hurting or not and and unfortunately the mental health stuff has been um overwhelming so many of them i've had five students drop out of my stage management class this semester because their other classes are killing them um yeah. and i'm the only teacher in my department that does mental health days um three three day three days uh semester we we don't meet as a class you um it's not a day off you have to do something creative or um special for yourself you don't get to sleep and you don't get to do homework for another class you got to take that hour and a half and you got to play an instrument bake cookies call your parents watch a movie that you read a book whatever that is um and then you're going to write me a short paragraph to hold you accountable that you did it and then you're going to tell me about what you did and how you felt afterwards and um, I can't tell you, you know, um, how how grateful those students are to just get an hour and a half um, to themselves to do something that is um, special for themselves. And again, you would think that the whole university would be like, man, great idea. Let's go for this. Let's make it a university wide policy. And, you know, it's just crickets, man. I mean, and, I want to tell you as a parent of a college student who is at SDSU huh. and who had to switch out of doing what she loved because she wasn't getting any support from the department. Uh, How touching what you're telling uh, me is. Uh, because, you know, and you know, I we're all arts people. We're all actors. We're all uh, in this profession. And we know how hard our um, degree programs are because it's, two and three times as much work as any other degree program because you you take these classes that require rehearsal and require out of class things that other other degree programs don't and a lot of the classes are one unit so in order to maintain a scholarship you have to take she was taking seven classes just to maintain full time and nobody in the department would listen to her and she's working 25 hours a week to support herself yeah. And she couldn't get the support, so she left the music department mm, wow, that, that to go to another department. Sh- and it, it broke my heart. Well, you know, she, she's uh, not doing what she loves. Was she a musician? or a, um, was she, She's a was singer. She's a vocalist. A singer. Oh, I mean, goodness. she got a scholarship at, as a freshman that they only give to junior and seniors. It says something about her ability. It, yeah, it says but something they, about the There school, aren't man. enough teachers. You know, no. what you do, Jay, what you're doing for your students, is teaching to the student not teaching to the textbook 
not right. teaching to the program. You're teaching to the student. You're helping them grow and accelerate and giving them the tools to be successful. Yeah. And yeah. as a parent, man, I wish there were more like you, but I thank, well, thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate well, that. Well, isn't that you the know? point? Yeah. Isn't that the point? <laughs> right? And that's what I mean by learning has evolved. They're not wired the same way that we were. We can't teach them the same way that we did, that we were taught, you know? And that's what I recognize is I'm like, I'll never teach the way that my teacher, you know, talked to me mm -hmm. like that or didn't care. Like, I just, that's not so, you know, and I've refined over 23 years. I've watched the university system kind of fall, fall apart more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So my big kind of entrepreneurial thing, this will be the, the debut um, secret. Um, I want to start my own online school. And um, a great idea. I, I went to I the university three or four times. I said, let me teach my my classes in a hybrid, you know, online and in person. Um, they said, no. Um, you know, I go to USITT. I have all these students. Says, if I was in San Diego, I'd love to take your classes. Uh, okay, fine. Now, guess what? You know, if I start and I, I have a track of theater classes and a track of filmmaking and a track of event design, Anthony, you know, this is where you come in, um, you know, event planning. And I know you, you, you teach some classes in, um, in, in uh, extension, I think, don't you? At, global uh, campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Global campus. So I went to global campus. There was already a certificate in place, mm -hmm. but I don't do that thing that you guys do, right? It, um, I'm not about the hospitality tourism business. Um, I want to teach the kids want to learn about rock and roll. They want to learn about how do I produce a festival? What's a, yes. what's a tour manager? What is the music right. business all about? And um, so if I do these different tracks and I say, listen, pick the classes that you want, pick, 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 you know, whatever you want to do. And it's, you know, $50 a class or something. And, and it'll, you know, um, you know, however many hours it might be, but I have so many friends that are willing to be teachers like me and, and have them learn from industry professionals. And there are no, there are no grades. There are no tests. There are no, you know, it's just come and learn. And more and more research is showing that students want concentrated learning, certificate programs, get to work and have some mentorship. And that's one of the things that my school would do is continued mentorship after you leave the classroom, right? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. No. You know, teachers are like, I'm already overworked. Ah. Right. I don't have time. Right. I don't have time, you know, or I don't even know who you are because I'm teaching 150 people. Right. I don't even know your name. Right. 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 All right. So I hate to even say this. Oh, but we are, it's time. But, it's time. Yeah, but I have five. <laughs> I have our, our Bellotified Five. <gasps> the Bellotified Five. That we Ooh. want to ask you. Okay. And so I'll start with the number one, and that is, what is your golden rule, Jay Sheehan? Um, my golden rule is to be kind. I have a couple of, um, to be kind to everyone that you come in contact with. Uh, you just never know who you are going to be talking to. That's and right. It's just better to be kind to people. That's right. That's such a good, good it's, lesson. <laughs> It's I mean, so it easy. really is key. It's, so it's easy. easy, but it's easy. so forgotten. It's so forgotten. Number two, what is your, what is one daily habit that you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Um, I wake up every day um, with gratitude. Mm. And, um, you know, that for, word the, again? for the things that I've, that I've had, um, for the things that might be, 
and I and then I go down my list of things and um, I like to make lists and then um, you know cross things off so um, but you know um, gratitude is a, is a big one I think that um, if you don't have that and uh, you're what are you doing right exactly when no one is listening what do you tell yourself uh to listen with intention to listen listen more carefully um you know to always be a good listener and to always um give everyone uh at the table a voice give everybody an opportunity to um to, to speak so i always remind myself and tell myself let everybody have their turn and listen to them and see what they have to say nice what is one yeah, change you'd I like to that. see in the world um, I would like to see, um, you know, world peace and, and, and um, you know, us not moving into this area that we're about to move into. But um, I'd like to see everybody, uh, you know, um, be get along. To, yeah, just why can't we just get along? Yeah, can't we get stop killing each other? Yeah, yes, yes. And then what is your why? What gets you up? What uh, what motivates why? you? Uh, my students. Um, because I know that they're out there and they're struggling. And um, for as long as I uh, can do it, I, I want to um, I want to do that. But asking why is always a good question. You should always ask why you're doing why? things. It's a great question. Yeah, yeah. You're still so, a young man, though. I think you have many, many, many years left. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. 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 To yeah. teach yeah. and mentor and help people prosper. And, I appreciate uh, it. And do good work and, you know, in this industry and, and keep yeah, the thanks. level of professionalism mm -hmm. rising. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, very much, very much. And so. thank you for caring as much as you do about oh. people. Oh, Alex, it's, That's you know. everything to me. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate you, um, you know, saying that. And, um, you know, it. I don't, I just do it as part of who I am. You know, you know the important part is what you do when nobody's looking, right? So, that's um, what character is yeah you just gotta do the right my uncle always told me if you do the right work for the right reasons and the right people um your rewards will come to you you know and just don't worry about money right off the bat just do good work do it for the right reasons make sure that there's you know my philosophy is three people have to win when I do an event, you know, there's the client, there's me, my company, and then there's my people that work um, alongside me and the artists. So there has to be a, a triple header there. So um, that was my uncle's wisdom. And um, I've always remembered to just do the right work for the right reasons. And, you know, there are clients that I won't work for. I mean, you know, I, it's just not, doesn't make me feel good. So I just don't do it. You know, Not the right reason. Right. It's not the right reason. It's the wrong reason. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much, Jay Sheehan, for joining oh, us. Thank, thank you, you thank so, you. so much. And, oh, this uh, was a wonderful. I was so nervous. And then as soon as I heard your voice, just like it did when you were singing, I swear, my my anxiety level just kind of dropped when I heard you, um, you know, do the opening part. Um, it just made me feel happy and recollect, um, you know, when we met so many years ago. And um I had a really great time, so thank you very much. Thank you yeah. so much. That that makes me feel really good. I I, I, I wish that everybody felt that way. I know it isn't true, <laughs> but I do wish that everyone felt We that can way. try, man. All we can do is try. All you know? we can do is try. And control us. Alex, thank you too, and um, you know, for thank staying in you. touch and, and uh, all that good stuff. 
Okay, thank you for listening to Volatified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast. Volatified is a production of Volata Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Volata. Stay engaging.